right, this is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast where any and all topics regarding quiet times, okay. scripture reading, yes, yes, Bible stuff, relationship with Jesus. I'm glad type you're of clarifying things. all of this. Yes. <laughs> so in this podcast, we will make sure to write our sins on an index card and burn it. Uh, and then we'll have a, a last night of summer camp, of oh, church we, camp, where we'll all cry. Cast it upon the sea of forgetfulness. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. All right. So all of all Along of the Christian stuff. We'll with, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and in a hedge of protection, we will. <laughs> no, we have a lot of fun here, uh, but it is going what we're going through spiritually. So Rochelle and Carter through Hope On Demand. It is a great uh, resource for you if you need hope. It's on demand. I'm going to just acknowledge something. Yeah. You sound stuffy. Oh, yeah. I'm so stuffy. If you're listening, whatever time of year, uh, Houston always has allergies. That's the thing. Yeah. Right? Like the pollen, because it's always a, kind of a warmer climate. That's where we live. And so both you and I, except I don't think I sound stuffy because I'm. You don't sound that bad. No. So this is what I'm going to no. do. I'm going to I'm going to say a couple of sentences, even stuffier than this, okay. so that at least the rest <laughs> will be bearable. So uh, what I want to talk about okay, today. No, I can't. And I can't. See, see, now it's not so bad. It sounds so good. Exactly. You exactly. have this deep, rich quality. So coming this <laughs> summer. What are you? What are you reading about in the in the Bible? That's what I call it with my kids. I why? don't know why. Why? Because I my dad had fun. Just is that fun? Messing around with the way that things are pronounced. Is no. that wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's just not fun. In the Bible. It's not- <laughs> Your definition of fun is yeah. different than mine. Wow, we're having a good time okay. so far. Well, he was yeah. a children's pastor and he said things like that. And I thought it was fun. And this is where Rochelle and I separate in okay. our ministries. Uh, and we <laughs> no, uh, I am reading through the book of Acts. And so I've been reading uh, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they, you know, go to different synagogues and, and preach the gospel. And uh, we, we got to that into that a, a couple of the last times of mm-hmm. just being bold in different ways. We've talked about that. Yeah. Ooh. But, yeah. Ooh. So a friend of mine, uh, she brought up from a passage of scripture that I think ties in really well before you go there. Okay. And it was something I hadn't really thought about before. But do you remember when Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, uh-huh, uh-huh. and says, hey, you follow me. And it's like, I think somewhere later that day, uh, they have this gathering, this dinner party. And that's when, you know, all the scribes are thinking, judging Jesus for eating and drinking with sinners. Yes. Yeah, and okay. so he is surrounded by all of these people. And I... In fact, I was a part of this this kind of study, this Bible study, where it was read off all the things that the tax collectors were known for at the time. Okay. Not only would they have been super just despised by their own people because, hey, you're Jewish. Right. You should know better. Yeah. But, like, I mean, they were known to even physically attack some of the elderly women who weren't able to pay their taxes. I mean, they, they were not. Wow. Good. Some of them were not good guys. So it would be a little bit, maybe a lot of bit, like if if Red Dawn, the movie, actually happened okay. and, and Russia took over. And then your buddy, your, your, let's say your next door neighbor, mm. was now working with the Russians to it's exactly, oppress you. Exactly like that. That's it. That's what it is. And so, of course, you, Thank would, you, for that. you wouldn't be able to stand that guy. And so that's the guy that Jesus calls and all the other guys who are already you know, following after Jesus must have thought, what is he doing? Yeah. Yeah. He's not one of us. But uh, what's really awesome is that Jesus offers not only a change of heart to Matthew, but I think then... By accepting and loving Matthew and asking him to follow him, he's offering a change of heart to those who are with him as well. Mm. And so he has this party and invites all of his friends, which, of course, they're not the the cream of the crop of society, per (laughs) se. And my friend recognized, she said, you know, we're always a little nervous about approaching people 
when it comes to, hey, can I share with you about my faith? Maybe I, maybe I need to tweak this a little bit. Maybe I could be more polished in the way I share. Maybe I have to be more knowledgeable. Sure. But it's the day of Matthew meeting, following after Jesus, saying, oh, this is my new best friend. You got to come meet him. Yeah. That's great. That's a great outlook. I thought that was wonderful. You yeah. don't have to be, you know, be, he was bold. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I love that. There's so much to that part of the story of, uh, you know, it's that's where people will say, see, Jesus partied with sinners. Well, yeah. he didn't he didn't act. He didn't sin. You he, know. Don't use that for justification right. of. No, he, he was like, no, I'm here to help show you a better way. <laughs> I think to have lunch with anybody is yeah. one thing, but to participate in what they're participating in is a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Acts 15, I'm reading through this and I know it's coming. That that Paul and I'll just read it. Paul and Barnabas here uh, after some time. This is an Acts 15 verse 36. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in uh, Pamphylia. I don't know. And had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Uh, Paul chose Silas and his, he left the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Mm-hmm. Then he traveled to, uh, it's not very long, much longer Then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches there. And we don't hear any more about this yeah. for the rest of the time, for the rest of the Bible. They're just yeah. separated. Yeah. And I think it's just a very fascinating thing. We were talking about difficult people Uh, Rochelle and I were the other day and about how it's very frustrating when people will rub you the wrong way. It may be a a coworker or somebody you go to church with or a neighbor. And now maybe that's a, they're just being rude or sinful. Maybe it's just, they do things in a different way that you would do clearly like this. uh, Paul was going to do things one way. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And Mm -hmm. so a different way. And we heard uh, a therapist tell us that think of difficult people in your life, like sandpaper people, they are helping to form you. Mm. It doesn't feel good. It's rough, but they're helping to form you. They're helping to, um, you, you learn and have a new perspective and you help navigate from the next person that you come across that's similar or maybe even more difficult. Yeah. It's a refining process, but hopefully you come out, you come out looking like one of those carved statues that you can buy by the wayside when you're on a long trip. See, there you go. And so I, I think there's maybe a little bit a little bit of that going on here. They they went to their separate ministries and it I don't know, this doesn't even really clarify if that's wrong. I think in Christian culture today, well, any disagreement must be wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like it. They just decided to do their own thing. Potentially they sinned in their anger. I don't I don't know. It, it doesn't say it just says they disagreed and they went their separate ways. He wasn't in agreement with how John Mark apparently had carried himself in yeah. some way. Yeah. Now you would now honestly that brings up another question then. Is that a grudge? So yeah, I I think we've we've even broached this in a, a podcast in the past about 1 Corinthians 13 and the the defining chapter of what love looks like and not keeping or holding a record of wrongs. Yeah. Yeah. And that may have been from I mean certainly he would have crafted this incredible exposition about love from experience. Right. And from his knowledge of what Jesus is. And so, yeah, from his own failings, even well, and recognizing, oh, I, you know, this isn't I wasn't showing love maybe in that moment. But so. maybe this is where 
there's just a difference between forgiveness and trust. Mm. You know, if you steal my wallet six times and right, I, right. I forgive you and I won't hold it over your head, I'm not going to give you my wallet again, though. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to let you near it. And so yeah. maybe there's that. I Honestly, that is a, a really intriguing conversation when it comes to Paul and John Mark. But with Paul and Barnabas, they just decided to do it two different ways and they go their separate ways. And and so I think with difficult people or, or, or people that do things differently than we would, we, mm-hmm. I, you see it in churches all the time. I, I don't know if you, you, you know, how involved you are in church, but if you were there on a Wednesday or whenever they have their staff meeting, there's disagreements, newsflash, like yeah. people in churches are disagreeing about how and what songs to do and what slides to show and the lights and all the things because they want people to truly experience God on the next Sunday. But people do things different ways. And I think we just have to realize that that's okay. It's frustrating when you're still in the same. Could you imagine if they did go on that trip and they were disagreeing the whole time? So I don't know what the lesson like totally here is to learn, except to acknowledge that your way isn't the only way. It's just clearly not. It wasn't Paul's way and it wasn't Barnabas's way. They, 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 as Frank Sinatra said, they did it their way. They were together for a season and that season came to an end. And seasons are a good thing too. Sometimes we we think it's just going to last forever and small groups come to an end. Maybe your specific church that you go to, it comes to an end. You're you're called to a new place. As long as I think it ends on a solid mutual term, on terms, you know what I mean? Because otherwise... If it's hard feelings that you leave on, then I think, yeah, that can give root to bitterness. Well, what do you think happened here? What do I think happened? I think Paul, when you read him, is bold. Yeah, yeah. I think he says what he thinks, and I think he said what he thought. And I think it might have ruffled Barney's feathers. Barnabas was a very gracious, encouraging person, one who quickly came to the aid of Apostle Paul when nobody else was there for him. So here you've got the total opposite ends of the spectrum type of personalities, I feel like. and It sounds like it. it and does. they balanced each other well. But something went down with John Mark that Barney was, I've got to stop calling him Barney. My dad would do that. He'd call him Barney. Did you, did you read about that in the Bible? In the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> My dad will listen to this later. He's like, don't blame me for these things. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think something went wrong. Somebody got rubbed the wrong way. And it's best that we just, all right, you you feel comfortable? Then you need to, we need to probably just not go on together. So Paul, but, but this gets into a wormhole here because uh, Acts was written by some Peter, some Paul. And you would you would think that Paul the, wrote this part. The book of Acts was written by Luke. Why did I have that in my head? I I don't know what goes on in there, man. <laughs> I don't know. That's You're, a that's a very good point. You haven't taken cold medicine. That's so. well. That's a very, very good point. <laughs> so in that case, then it, then it is a good point that this was written not um you know because the wormhole would have been if Paul wrote this, mm-hmm. then it would would you maybe believe that it was biased and that he was mm-hmm. writing it from a, maybe not as a, um, he's not admitting that he did something wrong in this part of it or something. But if Luke wrote that, then it's just pretty independent. Here's what happened. He didn't say anybody did anything wrong. Well, yeah, but Luke was a doctor, so he's very analytical. So he probably got that information, not just from Barnabas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or John Mark. He, you know, he's chronicling all of this stuff. The Apostle Paul would have certainly helped in in helping. Okay, so verify with help me get these accounts together. And he would have asked the other people that would have been a part of the ministry or yeah. had heard from him. So, yeah, I, I I think in that moment, knowing that each of them would have given an account and Luke would have given a non biased. I think it's interesting. Again, we've been, we've talked about this with the Gospels. They don't leave things that are embarrassing potentially out. That's true. 
And Here it all is. I guess this could be uh, considered embarrassing, depending on well, how. It didn't end well. You a minute. Imagine the biggest ministry on the planet. Right. Right. Split down the middle. Yeah. So I guess. It, well, it, and I say on the planet. I mean, they they were the most gregarious in getting to the the Gentile region. So they were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess I think about it in today's standards of, let's say you're in charge of the choir. For uh, let's say you and somebody else, we'll call her Beth, and you and Beth are in charge of the the choir or the handbells ministry or whatever. My my side's better. See now now we're starting <laughs> off into a terrible terrible. I know. Um, let's say you guys just you know do things a little bit different way because I think stuff like this happens all the time. Sure. You guys handle things a little bit differently, and then all of a sudden you realize this isn't working together. And you decide to move on or she decides to move on. This is a misunderstanding where I need to be the head choir person and she needs to be assistant to the choir person. Assistant to the, yes, yes. Yeah. Not assistant. No, assistant, assistant to, the. to the. And so I guess it's just like, <clears throat> especially because gossip can go, come, you know, come strong with the, the people in the choir or sure. the handbells minister Which or whatever. always leads to heavenly things. Exactly, right. That's sarcasm. Yeah. My word. Yeah. yeah. Drenched in sarcasm. And so... Is it so bad that you, because I, I look at this example and this never really comes up when it comes to today's, you know, things and, and fights and disagreements. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you and Beth handled it in a Christ-like way and there's, there's still maybe some sorrow, if you will, I wish it could have worked this way and together, but I just, this season's done and I need, need to move on. Going by this example, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Mm. They, they never say it is. I think there's a lot of examples in scripture where you feel like I need more. I wish we had more. Uh, what happened here, that didn't feel right. Yeah. Am I supposed to look at this as an account of something that I should follow by example? And it doesn't say that either. And so I think, honestly, um, you should do what King David did and ask God. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love, there's this incredible story I've been reading through. I just got through First and Second Samuel. I'm in First Kings now. And just reading this one account where David's like, uh, should we do this? Should we do that? And like after they they go through this whole examination process, I like, oh, I don't know what David's like. What if we ask God? <laughs> hey, everybody, genius idea, novel, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I I think you you test it against the spirit of God. What does Scripture say? Well, clearly this is a part of Scripture. Well, this is a narrative. Mm -hmm. Acts is a narrative. This is not an epistle type work. This isn't a letter. Right. Right. Teaching people how to behave. Yeah, this is just what was happening what in the early church. And so, yeah, like I, I think we even spoke about Gideon. Um, sometimes his stories looked upon and people have, have been blessed with the thought of laying a fleece out to see if it gets, mm -hmm. Lord, this is my fleece. I'm, I'm, I need you to tell me what to do. I'm, I'm testing in this. He did it like a lot. He tested yeah. God a lot because he was really uncertain and kind of a wimp. So I don't necessarily want to use Gideon as an example. Yeah, that's true. That's I want to. I want to be like the priest who was told to step out into the River Jordan, and the water will recede mm -hmm. once you've stepped out. Just obey. Yeah. That's what I want. Is your obedience? God says so. Yeah, you have to find an example in Scripture that you go. This is okay. I I see this being praised by others. Mm -hmm. Even the I think it's Hebrews chapter eleven. I think it's called the faith chapter. It's it's. All these incredible people in biblical history uh, take an account of 
their acts of faith. Right. And you to look at them and say, okay, so here's an an example of what faith was in action in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I don't know. You just kind of like I don't look at Jonah and think, now there's a strong representation of who I want to be in the body of Christ. Yeah. But he went the he, other way. He after. eventually did go, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can give that to him. And threw a pity party after he did it. And yeah. threw a pity party. Well, that's a good point, too. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. It's just interesting. And I think I think maybe the main thing is that they both, because especially in today's culture, mm-hmm. if you get burned by the church, well, well, then you're done. You In, in a lot of circumstances, I've heard. You know? So you mean like you're no longer going to go because they you were aggravated in some way. Yeah, exactly. Either they're not going to go where that affects your beliefs. And so, and I, I think we should just make sure to clarify that no human being, I guess I, I guess I just wonder, maybe it's not a clarification. It's a, it's a question of why would another human being's actions make me think that God's not real anymore? Maybe it's not even a choice about not serving the Lord, but it's like, I'm not going to go to church because of humanity. Well, I think that's true, too. But I I think some people's beliefs have been affected. Mm -hmm. And then I think some people just go, I'm going to do Christianity on my own. Okay. And and so I guess what I see in this example is it makes sure to say they both continued in their work. This did not prevent them from serving the Lord just because there was a disagreement in, in, quote, the church. And obviously... Let's say 1 Corinthians 13, that chapter on love, was written, you know, post-argument. Mm-hmm. He was refined. He was like, that That was a sandpaper type of situation where he was refined. And he became, yeah. It, it talks about, you talk about being burned. Bible talks very clearly about a refining process of gold. You know, gold is put in the fire and the nasty falls off of it. But what comes out is pure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's an opportunity where you can make a choice. Am I going to let my feathers get so ruffled that I'm going to choose something that uh, to go against a choice that I've already made? If I if you've said yes to Jesus, don't allow people to mess that up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including yeah. you. Yeah, well, that's very true, too, because he's real. But or are you going to allow this for a grace opportunity because people will fail you and just cover it with grace, which is something they don't deserve? No. They don't deserve it, but you cover it with grace. Now, whether that means going on with them in relationship or parting ways and saying, I don't think that we're ever going to meet in the middle in a way that's going to be a blessing to either of us. So, you know, yeah. God bless you and you 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 part ways. That is, I don't know. That's interesting, especially thinking of Barnabas was just doing for John Mark what he did with Paul. Mm-hmm. But as far as we know, as what far it looks as, like. as far as we know that he was sticking, you know, let's stick with this guy and. Paul said no, but Barnabas stuck with him. I think the Holy Spirit will guide you. And I wouldn't, again, I, you know, we've even spoken in terms of other faiths saying, well, feelings are what you should go off of. No, 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 because those are fleeting. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit, I mean, and he will make it clear to you. And it does say when you are facing trials to ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. So potentially that, because uh, I would, yeah, this would be a trial, but potentially that the Holy Spirit both told them Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it would be different things. I guess it would be the same yeah. thing. Go your own way. Potentially. Yeah, that's it. Have you never had a parting of the ways that was amicable and was a blessing because you parted ways? I mean. I guess it, we need to realize that's possible. Because, absolutely. Because it seems like such drama in the church today. Somebody puts it on Facebook yeah. and, oh, so-and-so's leaving after 15 years. That's just, that's okay. But even if it's not amicable. I mean, I bring up a divorce type situation. Mm-hmm. Let's say. 
that both of you didn't really consult um, a counselor and you were like, we grew tired of each other. We fell out of love or whatever. And you you split up. And then maybe you read in the scriptures later, you become a, a follower of Christ later, whatever. It's brought to your attention. That wasn't a really good enough reason. Mm. Maybe I should have worked on it more mm-hmm. or whatever. But the other person wasn't necessarily in it with you. God can still bless your journey. You know what I mean? It's going to look different. There are always consequences to actions. But, you know, I, I know from experience, my own brother with his divorce, um, you know, I you never want to see a family divided. God is for marriage. Mm-hmm. He wants people to be able to work through things and connect to him. And when we look to him, we're not looking to the other and blame will no longer be a part of the thing. You right, know? right. It takes three to make a marriage work. Him being the strongest part of that tricord rope. Yeah. But uh, my my God has chosen to bless um, the second marriage of my brother. And and so I, I he is able to redeem situations and circumstances. Certainly. I mean, we look at our own lives separate apart from anybody else. He redeemed me. Yeah. So, well, and I think about my dad got fired from his job, um, laid off, whatever you want to say. The company switched ownership and mm-hmm. then it was, you know, and there you go. And it was after you know, 20 some years, getting close to 30 years. And man, the last 10 years of my dad's working career with a different company, uh, I I think he enjoyed it so much better. Mm. And so he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do without this grocery store in my life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, within the next year, year and a half, he finds this other job that he's different. They do a different thing. And for 10 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. I think to some degree it was like, man, I wish I found this place earlier. <laughs> I think you, there's two examples of one making a choice and another one, the choice was kind of pushed on them. Yep. So let's yep. say Paul was the one who made the choice and Barnabas just had to go along with it. True, true. But God, do you not think that his ministry continued? God, you know, caused Barnabas and John Mark's ministry to flourish. If you are looking to Christ yeah, and his spirit of truth is there then you can't hold that back. So, yeah, I don't know. Again, are you experiencing something where you want to part ways, Carter? Is that what this is all about? Oh, well, <clears throat> I have an announcement. No, <laughs> I, that, that is just it's just fascinating. And it you is. wonder, like you said, I wish we knew more. And what was John Mark thinking? Or excuse me, what was Barnabas thinking? And, well, what and was John, John Mark? And John Mark and then, <laughs> sorry, oh, guys. Paul hates yeah. me. Right. Yeah. And then, and then that's a whole different thing that we can get into another time. Mm-hmm. But 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 then should there have been a reconciliation if there were hurt feelings and, and why is there no record of it or why didn't it happen? So that's wow. Yeah. And that's why we don't put people in the Bible on a pedestal except for Jesus. Yeah. They didn't have Instagram back then though. No, they did not. So if they're on opposite sides of that, you know, continent, perhaps that, that might've been, of course they were able to get letters to and from cities, but I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but it's, a good thing to think about an example that's not talked about often. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I, I mean, I got to go back in time. I obviously am past the golden calf, but it really spoke to me. I had never realized that the golden calf scenario, and just a quick recap, the Jewish people are brought out of Egypt. The tyranny of Pharaoh is no more in their lives, and God is essentially saying, Hey, you want to get married? Mm-hmm. I want a new covenant. I, I, I want to. I want to do this covenant thing with you guys because I've had it going on with Abraham. Will you be a part of this incredible agreement together? It's almost like a contract, right? And they all said yes. 
<laughs> and they got through the Ten uh, Commandments, and yeah, we totally will do that. And uh, it's interesting because God invites everybody to come up the mountain. Everybody's like, no, just Moses. You just go because this is scary. There's a lot of lightning and fire and you just go. And while he's up there. So basically they have their mid ceremony is how it was described. Their mid ceremony. If you can picture this happening at a wedding when one of the the people is already going to be unfaithful. Now, picture that that's not that's not going to go well. Right. It'll go viral for a wedding. But that's no. So while Moses is up on this mountain and for 40 days, he's up there. Aaron, his brother, who was one of the he was like the mouthpiece Uh when it came to telling Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses wasn't comfortable in speech. So Aaron, his brother, was the one who was speaking. You would think this guy would have a better, better relationship or understanding of God Almighty Yahweh right now. But um, the people come to him and said, hey. We would like you to make an image. We would like you to create this golden calf. Interestingly, I have always thought it was like they created the calf in place of Yahweh. Uh-huh. They named it Yahweh. Oh, interesting. And they took the um, gold that they had and they, you know, Aaron crafted this thing and he sets it up and then he sets up this feast and banquet and this altar and all of this stuff that was actually supposed to be a part of the celebration of this covenant between God, actual Yahweh and his people. And instead it happens with this calf and there's all sorts of questionable activity that takes place um, with the people and dancing and who knows what was going on. Canoodling, if you will. Canoodling. and so while Moses is up on this hill, mid-ceremony, God's like, hey, your people that you brought out of Egypt, <laughs> that's what he says to Moses. Uh-huh. It's like when your kid just misbehaves and all of a sudden it's your son, not your, my son. Your son. Guess what your son your did son. today. Yeah. <laughs> so God is not happy because within the first whatever moments of this supposed to be faithful union, yeah. the first two commandments are totally broken. Thou shalt have no other gods before me or make any graven image, the first two commandments. And here they've done it and they've named a golden calf, Yahweh. Yeah. And there's a couple ways you could look at that. Number one, it's like, well, is it as bad? Because they still called it Yahweh. It's still God that they fashioned this cow. It's not like they were like, hey, no, this is our God. This is this is who we've been worshiping this whole time. It's really Yahweh. Or is, is it worse? That's it, a good point, too, because it, you know, brings it's a God. Cow yeah, yeah, yeah. Made out of the earrings you were literally just wearing. It's a cow. That's true. That we have dominion over because it's an animal. Now, listen to what I just said, that we have dominion over because it's an animal. Mm. People were taking what they knew of this Yahweh and they were trying to fit it into their own box. They understood idolatry. They understood idols. It was all around them in Egypt. Yeah, that's interesting. They understood there was going to be a feast and they were going to do the one. We're doing the things that they, you know, we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to have this feast. We're going to do it our way. And once you start realizing that story and (laughs) how many times on a daily basis do I try to fit my knowledge of God into my circumstances as opposed to allowing him to direct me? But I haven't mm. taken the time to go up that mountain with him. And so, Lord, would you share with me who you are? 
I want to learn yeah. from you and not what I think about you. It's it's like when you try to it's like with TV writers, they're they're writing for a character, mm. you know. And so are we in that same writer's room trying to uh, God would do this. Yeah. God would do that. Well, I God likes this and God likes that. Or is it a real person? a real being where I can't sit here in front of Rochelle and tell you, well, Rochelle would really enjoy this or that. No, no, no. She's just going to say what like she's real. Yeah. And I can speak for myself. And yeah. God was like, I want to speak to my people, but they did not want to listen directly. So Moses went on their behalf. I found that fascinating, but it's it, examples all throughout scripture. Clearly throughout our own lives. I mean, if we were to chronicle back the earliest time where we try to fit God into our knowledge and our box, which I think that's just human. Um, but it, it it reflects on, I think, the golden calf, especially when when in, in Jewish studying of the scriptures, they liken it to what happened in Genesis 3 with the fall of mankind. Okay. So again, we're wanting to create our image of God. For Adam and Eve, it was themselves. And for these folks, it was like, well, it's what I understand. Again, it's an image, but it's the, the golden calf image. It's fascinating, the symbolism of all that. And, and aren't we doing the same thing? I mean, it's a little bit like yes. that, that writer's room where we, uh, when in because God has revealed himself in Scripture. So we have the hindsight that yeah. they didn't have, you know, as much as we have. But they've seen God prove himself. They saw the Red Sea. They saw everything. Mm -hmm. And so when we say a sentence today, well, to me, God is... Well, God is, and and you see this outside of Christianity, of just God, universalism, you know, yeah. all this stuff. No, you can't, You like, whoever God is, let's say we're even wrong or whatever. There is a God, and he is God. <laughs> it's like saying, you, you know, my mom and dad, I think that they're, no, they had you. Like, they're them. Like, it's just, <laughs> there is a God, and he is him. Yeah. And to start a sentence like that, so I think that's why it's so key to go to scripture because the true God has revealed himself. Yes. And he does it in this story. He yeah. starts sharing about, you know, his compassionate side, his loving side, his wrath filled side, his, you know, there are consequences to actions side, you know, and he is who he is. And he even says, I am that I am in that revelation with Moses at the, interestingly enough, it's the same mountain oh, at yeah. the burning bush okay. when he goes up the mountain to get the 10 commandments. Um, and, Interesting comparison that there's five accounts where Moses says, don't make me go. I don't want to go to Egypt to help them. And then there's also five requests from Moses after the golden calf incident. Please don't kill them. <laughs> Please don't kill them. So it's like five meets five. It's like Moses has changed his ways. And who knows? Maybe God allowed that to happen so that Moses would have a revelation of you really do care about these people mm. that will incense you for the next 40 years. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it, Moses has to deal with them in the wilderness as well as as well as the eternal God who has full hindsight. By the way, yeah, then and now, right? He doesn't exist on this timeline. Yeah, so he's eternal. But um, we see examples in in the Bible where people are like, "Well, I think we should do it this way." Oh, do you? Like at the very beginning of First Samuel, we see the sons of Eli doing whatever they want to do. Uh -huh. These are Eli's a priest. He's the priests of the tabernacle, they're in charge of the Ark of the Covenant, which literally it is crafted by Moses and Aaron. Well, not like they're, they, they had skilled craftsmen do it, but I'm saying it was during their time that it was created. And here resides the presence of God. 
That is what they're dealing with here, the Ark of the Covenant. These guys were doing all sorts of tomfoolery around the Ark of the Covenant in this tabernacle and doing whatever they want. Eli's warned a couple of times, one by a man of God, prophet type person, another through a dream of Samuel. And both times Eli's like, well, you know, it is what it is. He doesn't do anything to try to change it. Yeah. And that's just sad. And at one point, his sons take the Ark of the Covenant when they're not winning against the Philistines. They take it into battle. They just willy nilly. Hey, let's bring the Ark in like a like a rabbit's foot or something. Oh, okay. Good luck charm. Yeah. And it gets captured. And uh, both of his sons end up dying. Eli ends up dying the same day when he finds out. I think he's more troubled that the Ark of the Covenant gets lost than his son's death. Mm. And he was a larger person, uh, it says in scripture, and and he lost his balance and he fell backwards and broke his neck and he died like that. And God had said to him it through a prophetic word, this is going to happen to you. So all of this happens on the same day. And uh, the Ark of the Covenant is lost for a while. And then it's brought because of all sorts of problems that these, these I guess we could call them Gentile or pagan type pl- places, they were housing the Ark of the Covenant. Plagues would come upon them. Things would not go well. Rats were around them. And so finally they get the ark back with someone who's a part of the part of Jacob's family. Yeah. The Israelite people. And David, we're we're talking now uh, time uh, several decades, certainly later, because Samuel was a little boy when the Ark of the Covenant was lost. And he was a prophet who would would soon anoint David Mm -hmm. older in this story I'm about to share. But David, um, when he becomes king, he decides he's going to bring back the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, which is his chosen place. This is where we're going to be. Builds himself a nice house there right next to the Mount of Olives. You know, it would be great. Let's put this holy, amazing thing, this tabernacle up on the hill right there in Jerusalem. It'll be awesome. Um, he doesn't come up with that plan the first go around. <laughs> the first go around, he's like, hey, let's bring the, the Ark of the Covenant back doesn't look at scripture, doesn't look at what God asks, how the ark should be handled, just does it the way he thinks he should. So here's David, who is, I mean, described in scripture as a full heart for God. Mm -hmm. He is loved by his father, God, and he has sung praises to him on many hillsides, taking care of the sheep. And you would think that one would have strong knowledge of God at that point. Does not necessarily consult anybody about the handling of the ark of the covenant, and when they go to get it, they put it on an ox cart. That sounds nice. It's never been used before. It's pulled by the ox. <laughs> this is a very sad story. One of the guys who uh, is the son of the man who'd been housing the Ark of the Covenant for a brief time uh, reaches out to steady it when the cart hits a bump. He steadies the Ark. He touches the Ark. That's a no-no. It says it real solid in the law that that Moses got from God. Nobody's no, you don't touch this. Mm. And you guys haven't even consulted me about how this should be dealt with. You've not obeyed. You've, you've just gone out and done whatever you want to do. Guy instantly dies. Mm. I remember reading that story and not really knowing the context of it. I thought, wow, that is so harsh. Right. What? And David thought the same thing. That is so harsh. I don't think I'm good enough for this to be where I live yet. Apparently he did some consulting. Apparently he read through the law and the next time he comes back and he puts it on the poles that he was supposed to put it on the first time. And then it's, this is the longest procession in history. Get this from where it was to where it will go. They go six steps 
And then on the seventh, they stop and they make a sacrifice. Wow. Six steps and get an animal. Six steps and get an animal. I have no idea. I'm sure people have probably put it together and given some sort of how long that would have taken. And you thought your commute was bad. Houston traffic, L.A. traffic. You've ever been Ooh. bored. Like, can you? <laughs> but David dances the entire time. What's really interesting is what he chooses to wear as he dances. He is wearing, it's called an ephod or an ephod. And it's the linen undergarment that a priest would wear. So here's this guy wearing something that's priestly. And he's ushering in the Ark of the Covenant, almost representing like he is the new priest for the area, which uh, Eli died and his sons. Now, some his grandsons continued on with the priestly duties. But I'll tell you what, he, he was told through that that uh, Eli was told through that man of God prophet guy. Your line of priests is going to end. It's going to be stopped because I've, I've picked a new person. Yeah. Which alludes to David. And here he is dancing with an ephod on. I, I, it's just fascinating. Anyway, um, you just don't put God in that box, though. That's I think it's a good reminder through all of it. And you um, can't domesticate the universal King of Kings. You just can't. Are you story, pulling something on YouTube? Yeah, if we're going to reference that story with David dancing, you know, the rumor when you're in youth group is that he was naked, and it's it's obviously not completely true, but it was a very it was a linen undergarment. It was a linen undergarment. Everybody in youth group. What's wrong with us when we were kids? No, that's very true. But this oh, is... Oh, David. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. This is this is like what you started youth group with. Come on, everybody. Yeah. That's this Wednesday. Is a very long intro. Yeah. You had to clap this much? Yeah. That's good. And then I, I thought I will it be... was I Will Dance as David Dance. Uh, Remember no. that song? I will dance like David dance. That's very old. No, that's, I don't think that was, uh, that wasn't youth group song. <laughs> Maybe way back. <laughs> well, it, it was when the youth group was, you know, they were born and raised in the 1800s. <laughs>